Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 106th episode of the Truth Island podcast. Anyone in this world who tells you that they have never told a lie is probably lying to you. One of the worst types of humans that we despise right alongside hypocrites are liars. Yet one study conducted by the University of California suggests that on average, each of us lies at least one to two times a day for the purposes of either protecting our self-image or the image of someone we care about. Many of these lies could be considered excusable and are also known as white lies. And yet a more pernicious strain of lies, that of which can be used to gain power, money, and influence, seems to always be lurking in the shadows of our society with some scientists calling this a form of linguistic camouflage. In fact, in another study, 50% of three-year-olds were caught lying when told not to play with a toy and left alone. 80% of eight-year-olds were also guilty of fibbing in similar conditions. This trend follows us into adulthood with MRI scans showing that the part of the brain which activates rewards tend to light up when someone lies, leading scientists to show a relationship between greed and one's propensity to, to fib. What's worse is that our minds are wired to hear things that please and comfort us, and that the mental energy needed to constantly sort lies is far greater than accepting life at face value. But does all this lying come at a cost? How does a society elect competent rulers, address unpleasant global issues, or tackle domestic problems that are best left unspoken about? On one hand, lies bring us a great deal of comfort and allow our mind to take a much needed holiday. But on the other, lies prevent us from becoming better or actually pushing us to discover our true potential. A society may numb itself on the placebo of lies. However, an illness not treated is an illness still there. Joining me to help bring some truth on this subject, I am once again joined by Alexander. Now, Alex, I'm hoping you're going to be honest with me here. I'll do my best. I haven't lied so far today that I know of. So maybe the <laughs> well, first you're one. Well, <laughs> you're due for one to two lies a day. See, okay, that's, that's what the study says. Everyone tells one to two lies a day. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I'd be lucky if it was that low. <laughs> 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 to be honest. So, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, read, I'm reading these studies, and part of this was from a Nat Geo article that I kind of pulled up. And they're almost making the case that this is like a biological necessity that we lie. Yes. And I, I, I'm seeing that like, look, are we going to be at zero percent lies? Probably not. I'd be lying Never. if I, I, I'd be lying if I told you that. However, I do think that there have been times in society where we've been more honest with one another, and that's something that we can start addressing. Telling the truth is difficult. Telling there is a cost to telling the truth. It's, I feel like it's always been that way. Um, there's definitely a cost to telling a lie, but I think it's more of a short-term argument versus a long-term argument. Telling the truth is worse in the short term, but in the long term, it's just a little bit of a better way to operate as a human being. Whereas I understand why a lot of people lie in the short term. I think that the majority of it is to just ease personal suffering because I think a lot of people have fragile egos and are in an emotional state and they can only take in so much stimulation and the ones that are particularly sensitive are the ones they particularly try to avoid. And that tends to go inside with lies. 
Whereas telling the truth provides an opportunity for the other person to, to change their perspective and come to an understanding, but they're not immediately changed necessarily. There's this uh, encampment on the idea of how their perspective has changed and this time value spent on that truth to come to terms with how they need to realign their perspective into what the truth is. And that also takes time. So I think it's really just uh, an operational argument to take the grossness of humanity out of the conversation. It's just, how do I get what I want, unfortunately? Now, I love, I love the way that you broke down lying as being a short-term pleasure, but then leading to long-term consequences. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. We're, we're, we're conditioned to kind of go for like, like the question we ask ourselves is, can this harm me in the moment? And you see this like with something like smoking, right? Everyone, mm-hmm. every smoker to some degree lies to themselves like, oh, this isn't harming me in the moment. And, and that, pl- that lie brings them comfort because the lie is a mechanism with, within their brain that allows them to say, I can enjoy this cigarette because the lie allows me to do that. But what they're not looking at is the long-term consequence of those lies. And I think that the more people start seeing the long game of like, okay, this lie is making me feel great right now. And, you know, we could extend that to like global warming. We could extend that uh, to so many issues that are kind of looming us. It make it really makes us feel good in the moment, but in the long term, we're going to pay. And I think lies also create a kind of like benign or latent depressive mood within us that we're not even aware Mm. of because i think i think at some level like the sub like you might outwardly lie but your subconscious knows that you're doing something wrong and i think that is something that people need to kind of be more aware of there is a spiritual spiritual burden taught to us about lying like there is a, a morality burden added weight added to our shoulders when we know we're carrying onward without a degree of principle without being keeping ourselves in what is has been taught to us as morally high ground i completely agree unfortunately i also believe carrying truths is equal to if not worse <laughs> in, in terms of a burden being someone who may have those kinds of deep thoughts and can see beyond the veil of what is their current three-dimensional mental space mm. right and to be able to Use your thoughts like an echolocation to see through the darkness that isn't necessarily apparent. So I I agree with you. Being a truth bearer is a burden. And historically, our truth bearers have really been punished, right? Our Socrates and our Jesus Christ, they have really paid that they have not (laughs) been treated well by society uh, for holding the truth. And it is a burden. However, I think it can be less of a burden if we start all sharing that burden, right? Because I I think that historically the way it's gone down is that we had like a few figures that spoke the truth, no one wanted to listen. And that's what made it a burden. It made it a burden because it's like, I know all of these things, I see all of these things and no one's willing to listen. But I would say if people start actually listening to those things, it actually becomes more of a shared burden. And 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 then that shared burden eventually turns into a solution. I love that idea. I mean, the sense of unity and a principled purpose is really the only way to systemically support truth-telling as a nation or a society. There has to be a few figures working as the pillars of example 
in order for it to become this holistic change in a society. Absolutely. The, the key problem that you and I can both agree on is that lying is too damn useful, right? It's just too useful to too many people. Because of our tribal brains, we really just shorten the circle around us of who we want to take care of. And unfortunately, 98% of the rest of the world are in that category of, I have to get through you in order to help my tiny 2%. And 2% is an enormous number, right? Like 2% would be thousands of people. Let's keep it to 15. So it's too useful. It's too leverageable of a tool. And what I'm seeing now in modern society is that in terms of just a supply chain, it's far more effective now more than ever. Whereas back in the day, like let's take Honest Abe, Abe Lincoln times, right? You'd be standing in front of other grown men and women. What you said stayed there for a time. It didn't become viral. It wasn't shot across the entire globe where someone who doesn't have the same perspective of those in front of Honest Abe would be able to comprehend the meaning behind the statement. So what you're creating is basically essentially a ripple effect of, of perception. And a very small category of people are actually present, able to sit on the information like they used to back in the day, whereas now it's an immediate, immediate response. And here's where I think the, the majority of the problem is, is that our modern society has shrunken the walls in terms of how, in terms of the, uh, the longitude of our thoughts, how far they can reach. And that keeps us in our perspective in this somewhat of a bubble where you know, we're ping-ponging emotionally from what we're seeing. Whereas the great thinkers were always thinking beyond their own life and taking a timescale approach that um, no one has effectively done themselves. Absolutely, I think there's a lot to unpack with what you're saying. Uh, let's first address the utility aspect of lying. So I think you're absolutely right that we as humans like easy, easy tools, easy solutions. And lying has been a very useful utility. In fact, you know, in the article that I mentioned, most people actually kind of go into every interaction with a fairly naive sense. Because in order to detect a lie, it actually requires a higher level of cognitive thought. Right. Like if I'm if, if you and I are talking and my fundamental pro, my, my fundamental position is, is that you're a liar. Well, my brain has to be more active. I'm carefully analyzing every little thing that you say, whereas most people, not necessarily because they're good, but because they're lazy, they just think, well, I'm just going to believe what this person tells me because it's easier that way. My brain doesn't have to work as hard sorting all the little dots and making sure all the little dots are adding up. So I think one it's easier way, to map, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, it's it's you have to be very. I mean, in order to like that, this is why lawyers uh, go through so much training because their their mind is always on like a heightened state, right? The lawyer, when you sit down for uh, a deposition, for example, the lawyer assumes you're lying, right? And mm. the lawyer's mind is on like on OD mode. They're trying to catch every little thing that you're saying and every little loophole. And like, well, wait a minute here on the third, you said this, whereas most people have their guard down because it just takes a lot of mental energy to kind of constantly be cross-checking facts and statements and so forth. So I think one thing that we could do is if we can't necessarily make people better right away, I think we could make them smarter and that actually lowers the value or the utility of lying because if people are smarter and they have more of a lawyer-esque mind, it's harder to lie, right? If people are asking more questions and they're just like, 
you know, a week ago, you kind of told me this, and I'm noticing that your story kind of changed. If more mm -hmm. people have that lawyer-esque mind, well, now you've kind of diminished the utility of lying because it's you're more likely to get caught in a lie. I disagree. I think the smarter you are, the easier it is to lie. Oh, you mean the person receiving the lie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Smart no, no, they no, are. No, yeah. no, smart okay. people are really good at telling lies. Let me. Right. <laughs> they, 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 they are really good. But I'm saying if people in general were kind of listening to facts with like the mind of a lawyer, you know, saying that doesn't seem right, or they were constantly cross-checking different sources. Um, mm -hmm. Like for example, I don't just listen to one podcast. I listen to multiple smart. podcasts. I constantly am going between the NY Times and the Wall Street Journal. I got both those apps on my Kindle and I'm cross-checking and doing that. And it's a lot of work. It's mentally taxing, by the way. You know, it's not, it's not like easy. It's easy to just read BuzzFeed and, and be like, oh, that's the way it is. <laughs> you know, like it, it's really is it's really easy to do that. But if we start training people to be a lot more rigorous in the way that they're in taking information, you actually decrease the utility of lying because now it's like well, these people are really smart. I don't want to get caught with my pants down. Yeah. I 100% I agree. I would change the avenue in which that's taken. Or maybe we could just debate the meaning of intelligence these days. I feel like the zeitgeist of the meaning of intelligence is kind of this like evaluation of skills, kind of like you're creating some MMO character and you're <laughs> able to you know, work on mechanics, you're able to code, you know, you know, a lot of things in books, but intelligence is far more than that. And it's not a linear concept, right? It's, it's a three-dimensional object in motion. It's plasma. It's not solid. It's, it fills gaps. It kind of flows like water. It's not this numeric evaluation of someone's ability. I think intelligence also applies to principles. And what I've been seeing since high school, I even wrote papers about it, is the degradation of principles in humanity, especially as an American, where we were taught all of these amazing founding father principles, such as Abraham Lincoln, who's telling the truth, right? We need to get back to that. We need to get back to the Greek logos. We need to get back to the idea of what is a logical way of passing through this world with a sense of principle. Because without that, I, it doesn't matter how smart we are. It doesn't matter how smart the other person is. It, it's, there's just going to be argument. And the only way that we're both agreeing that there's a supply chain problem for how lies travel through society. Mm -hmm. That needs to be solved. So whether it's educating the other person, which would solve a million other problems as well, right? Um, or becoming more principled. The root of the issue is, is that it's too easy for someone to send a lie out for it to become effective. How do we negate that? I'm trying to think, when do you think was the time when that was the hardest? That's a great question. Um, let me just say, I, I agree with you largely that our, you know, we also have to have high principles, like we have to be a high-minded people. And when, when I say intelligent, I don't think you need to be uh, the next Stephen Hawking to read the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times at the same time. Like that's not, it's, it's really within the grasp of everybody. It just, it's just time consuming. And it means you're going to play a little less Xbox when you do that, <laughs> you know? And, and like, I, I don't, I don't think it's something that's this Herculean monumental task to achieve. And I think it is 
within the realm of most people to, to do that. So, and I agree with you that that needs to be coupled with high principles because you could be reading all of these sources and then just further distorting it for your own evil uh, intentions. I think that when it was the hardest, you know, I hate to say it, when the, the, the big media corporations, your NBC, your CBS, that really dominated the airwaves in the 50s and 60s, they did peer review check their stuff. I mean, they really had a tight control of the narrative, almost, you know, too tight, because like then the average person didn't get a say in how the world was running. And that's dangerous in itself, right? Like if, mm-hmm. if, if a small cabal of, of media outlets are controlling the narrative, that's dangerous. But yes. on the positive side, they did fact check their stuff. They did have like tons of copy editors reading this stuff. They did consult experts and be like, hey, is this true or whatever? And that's a positive thing. So I think we can kind of take the best of both worlds where we have multiple sources coming at us, right? It's not, it's not like just five networks, you know, NBC, CBS, Fox, or whatever. We have multiple networks, multiple channels of information, but then we're applying a higher scrutiny of, of fact checking to each of these sources. And I think, mm. I think, I think we can't go all the way back because we don't want three networks telling us everything and, and us just accepting that as gospel. But on the other hand, we don't want, you know, millions of articles written uh, with, with no fact fact-checking whatsoever. Right. And how do we do that? You know, I wish I just had the question. I wondered, would it be possible to assign a governmental entity that, um, hear me out. I know this is going to sound like something that would just go so wrong, but in my utopian dream answer (laughs) to this problem, right, you could have a Congress of, of knowledge a Congress of um, fact checkers, maybe, right? Like the ultimate version of a fact fact check where um, they can put a stamp of approval that has a series of references and bibliographies and links towards different pieces of information, peer reviewed, kind of like a scientific journal. Wouldn't it be great if we had that? And then I got to thinking, wait, we did. We did have that. Now we're dealing with the Frankenstein. Now we're dealing with how it's just gone so far one side or another. And the image that comes to me in mind is almost like trying to balance a tennis ball on a triangle. It's like the moment you tip towards one way, the lies just make sense to go with it, right? It's commercially supported. It's emotionally evocative. It's, um, there's just too much support for someone to follow through with that. And uh, how how do you remove those factors? Well, I think some sort of anonymity is required, but without anonymity in a democracy, right? If there's anonymity in a democracy, we can't actually check it with our votes. So one thing I wanna say about this, I'm wary of the government organization thing because I I have a feeling that they're gonna serve whoever's in power at that particular moment. And then that's, that's, that's my, Danger. I'll tell you a good example of fact checking, and this happened actually. I think in the year, I, I was, you know, it was like 2002 or something. You know, the 9/11 truthers were going absolutely crazy at this time. There was yeah. there was even that film. I think it was called Zeitgeist. Um, and you know, they were like, oh well, the you know, like steel can't melt at this this temperature and so forth. One mm-hmm. of the best things that I read 
was an article in a magazine called Popular Mechanics. I believe that was the name of, of the magazine. And what Screen they actually, magazine. yeah, and what yeah. they actually did is they had PhD engineers and scientists methodically debunking like all of the things that the 9-11 people were saying. And they were like, oh no, steel can melt at this temperature if blah, if this happens. And, and like they methodically went through the whole zeitgeist video, the, the, whole, the whole thing, and they methodically debunked it. You know, And you could see that they had doctorates, they had PhDs, they, they knew what they were doing. I think, Alex, that's the kind of best mechanism right to sort is that we have to actually start doing the work ourselves of being like, hey, here's why Alex Jones is completely wrong. I'm a real scientist and I can tell you that there isn't this stuff in the water supply. You know, like that's that that's the kind of work that we need. And it's actually a positive, it actually creates more jobs. You can actually take all of these people in academia and now you actually have a useful utility of them. Like, hey, you're really smart. You have some high degrees there. We're going to put you to work debunking all of this nonsense out there because I think that's the best way to do it. You don't like this is a playground fight, actually. You don't want the principal to come in. You don't want mom and dad to come in and interfere, aka the government. We want to kind of handle this on our own and be like, hey, we do have real experts that know a thing or two. Let them start debunking it. Because my whole thing, Alex, and this is where it gets scary is there's one school of thought that says, let's take all of these liars, deplatform them and lock them away in a closet. Let's just lock them away in the closet. But I'm like, no, you're creating forbidden fruit. That is forbidden fruit right there. And everyone's gonna wanna open up the closet of forbidden fruit. If you ban somebody, well, now, now you've made them the cool thing that you're not allowed to touch. And now everyone's gonna wanna listen to it. The way you do it is you actually challenge that bully to a fight on the schoolyard and say, hey, I'm going to debunk you like there's no tomorrow. I am going to bring up the periodic table and I'm going to break this down. I'm going to use complex equations. You're going to, you're going to be lost. You're, you're, you're going to be spinning in your chair. You're so lost. That's actually how you win the information battle is you allow the Titans to come down and really show the mortals who's boss. I love that. And I a hundred percent agree that deplatforming is a very, very, very dangerous step and sets a unique precedence for the future. It's, I've been really conflicted on that, that thought because I agree that the supply chain of information can be weaponized. So at some point, the question is, how far do we let that become abused? But when it's a, a permanent ban, right? When there's no uh, horse blinders on it, when there's no structure to a beginning and an end, that's when I worry. It's the same argument we have about our elected officials. We want to be sure. We want to be sure that um, it's four years only. Then they are reelected. They can only do two terms. So it's segmented. We understand. But without the opposite side, you don't have free speech. And I'm talking all speech. The speech that I despise. That has to be there too. And. That's just the reality of the situation. Um, it's the sacrifice, I think, that is required in order to have your First Amendment rights solely protected. So, you know, it's a, it's a complicated issue because the reason why I feel Parler was deplatformed was potentially, and this has not been proven, and it's only allegedly that it is being used as a communications device for potential incoming domestic terrorist threats within a short amount of time. So I understood it at the beginning 
But once it became permanent, I started to question, how is this okay? And how is this not going to be affecting the other side? How is this not going to be affecting everyone? Now that we've created a pathway that's not constitutionally argued against, right? That isn't um, removed by the Supreme Court. Anyone can do this for any reason that they deem necessary. And I might be on the side of, right? I might be on the side, that's my speech. I am really glad that you're worried about this because I'm worried about it too. And here's the thing about a site like Parler. If some guy is posting stuff on Parler about making pipe bombs, um, they should not be on there. And we should totally clamp down on that kind of stuff. I don't think that Amazon, but AWS, Amazon Web Services, I, I don't think that they, I don't think Apple actually acted in good faith with Parler. And here's my reason why. They gave the dudes 24 hours to comply, okay? 24 hours, get your, you know, get your act together. And it's like 24 hours go by. Of course, you know, it's impossible to like completely, you know, delete everything within 24 hours. If they wanted to really act in good faith, they would have been like, okay, we're taking you off for 30 days here's a checklist of things that you need to do in order before we put you back on. And this is your first warning. This is your first strike. You have 30 days to comply. If you comply and we, and it meets our, you know, our, it meets our standards, we'll put you back on. You can't just tell somebody you got 24 hours to completely revamp your whole system. Otherwise you're gone forever. That was not a good faith move for, for, you know, like, you know, like people are like, well, they're private corporations. Okay, fine. Fair enough. But I think we can, question whether they acted in good faith and they did not act in good faith because I'm sure that there's, you know, a lot of people have pointed on that are on Twitter that have said, Hey, I've gotten, I've received death threats on here on a daily basis. And no, no one has done anything to remove any of that stuff. So right. there's one, there's a double standard. And two, you have not acted in good faith in giving them 30 days to kind of re-swizzle themselves and kind of re and, and revamp their moderation policies. And, you know, I, I, again, like that, that to me is absolutely ridiculous. And now, now what you're doing is you're actually fueling the conspiracy theories even more. Oh, big tech is big tech is after us. And you know what that's going to create? It's going to create underground email chains of even crazier nonsense, because now, now there's going to be mailing lists. There's all these websites where they're going to create mailing lists. And that's how all that communication is going to go in the underground and get even crazier. I'm fully on board with what you said. I have a few disagreements in terms of the legality of it. I think the core issue isn't so much that they deplatformed them, but it's that they got so big that they can deplatform them. That these corporations became such a strong monopoly that they control the majority of market share between communications online. How crazy is that? That is an issue. They're a private company. They're allowed to do this. That's not the problem. The problem is no one else is competing with them. That's what needs to be fixed. And sure, maybe Parler was finally someone who could start competing with them. So let's talk about that. I believe that that's possible. But I also believe that just like rules on the road, you're able to drive wherever you want, but there's still going to be stop signs. There's still You still need a signal. There is a politeness, a manner in which civil discourse should follow. I also understand that it's, it's, a, it's a pendulum. The more control you try to put on civil discourse, the less freedom there is. It's a give and a take, right? But there has to be something. So if, say, for example, Parler is capitalizing on this 
current fringe movement, which does not represent the 70 million Republicans that voted for Donald Trump. Let's be clear about that. Not the same base. This is a fringe element of that base, just as the crazy lefties are just as nuts and do crazy crap. I mean, maybe they haven't gone as far as this current right, but whatever. Point being, extreme is extreme. It's a circle. It's not a line, right? It eventually comes back to the same thing. So we have to be cautious about this because not only is it advantageous for these companies to shut them down from purely a strategic and business sense, but now there's actual legal authority. Just like a lawyer can go in and say, well, Brown versus blah or Roe versus Wade or whatever famous versus case they can say, well, in this particular instance, right, the Supreme Court found that this was actually legal. That is when things start getting more scary for all of us, all of us. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I definitely see that there's a lot of monopolistic practices at play here. And I don't think it, it might outwardly have the veil of altruism and just, you know, improving the mm -hmm. discourse, but that's not how you do it. You know, again, like how you do it is you confront you, you basically, if you've got a troll in your basement, shine a flashlight at the troll and be like, come forward, troll. Let's, 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 let's dispel what it is that you're saying. And I'm going to make you look ridiculous. I'm going to make you absolutely look like a complete fool. And you're going to be defending absurdities and no one in their right, right. mind is going to want to listen to you anymore. You know, like I would understand if they said, okay, we are deplatforming parlor until the secession of power. Sure. actually occurs okay. right like that's a reasonable in between if and only if they are using parlor as a primary communication device i'll tell you what i've seen recent comments in the youtube section of just nonsensical phrasing that mm -hmm. i took screenshots of and i'm like what is this like this <laughs> is just are they you know is this some kind of like coded message so it's 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 irresponsible to think that parlor is the only location and that gives you enough reason to say you're done Yes, right? exactly. It, it's it's irresponsible. To I, say I, I am listen, Alex. I'm a part of several Facebook philosophy groups, and people say nasty, really nasty stuff right. to each other all all there. And there's there's clearly a double standard where really nasty stuff is going down in all of these mediums. And again, like I said, if someone is plotting something really dangerous, okay, let's let's tackle that. Whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, or um, Parler, and so forth. But I'm like. You, you've just taken an entire barrel and there were some bad apples in that barrel, but now you've just thrown away some decent apples that were in that barrel, but you just decided to throw it all over and you just didn't care because I think that you were, I, I think it's one heat of the moment. And two, mm. you know, there's also, there's also like, if we're looking at it from their side, it's like, you know, why we don't want Linux out there. Like Microsoft doesn't want right. Linux out there. Why do you want Linux on computers? No, 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 no. We want micro, you know, like it just, if you look at it from their point of view, it's like one less person out there competing for our market share. That's really what right. it comes down to. And if you, if, if you as a citizen, not you, I'm saying the proverbial you, yeah. if you don't believe that these guys running the company aren't waking up every day thinking how they can advance themselves just on a purely competitive level. It, it could be completely from a good place, right? Like, I don't know these people, I can't say for certain, but we're talking about some of the largest corporations in history, history. Yeah, right. So, you know, Rockefeller has just been put to shame to put it in perspective, right? <laughs> I mean, this is essentially a triumvirate of, of powers yes. that are controlling the most essential aspect of what it makes us American, which is freedom of speech and discourse. 
mm-hmm. and democracy. So, you know, it's an existential, I don't want to say the word threat, but yeah, threat, you know, it's an no, existential I, threat. I, I think I, I think that we do have laws on the books to kind of address this. And I think it's a question of like, do we have the political willpower to do so? And I, I think right now, we the the Democrats kind of see it as like, well, our side is winning right now, right? Like we're, we're the you know they're being like, hey, we're we're mistake. you know we're Terrible. winning right now, but I'm like tomorrow you may not be winning, and maybe it's your guy right. who's being banned off of some platform or deplatform tomorrow, and and that's that's the kind of long game thinking that we need to be thinking of 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 like it doesn't matter if this rule of law is going to help me today, it might come back when the wind blows in another direction, it might hurt me tomorrow. And that's, that's the kind of short term thinking uh, that we're that that's going on right now. And I, and I think, look, they are private companies, we, we can't force them to do anything they want that they don't want to do. But you're right, like it's not it, it's one of, you know, one of the famous uh, court cases was actually against Microsoft. And I think it was because the like Internet Explorer, for example, was like automatically like bundled on. And then like, I think they got sued mm. by Netscape and they were like, hey, come on now, like you have to have multiple browsers on here and so forth. And I think it's the same thing with uh, AWS. And I think it's the same thing with the Apple, uh, the App Store, for example. Like if that, that should not necessarily be the only way to get your app on the phone, you know, like that, that right there, that screening process is really dangerous because you're basically saying, that if this software cannot go on this phone unless it goes through our channels, right? And that, that right mm-hmm. over there is a, a filtering process where you're only letting the people you like through the front door, right? And that, that's already, because like, let's say you have an app, Alex, right? That rates food. Well, there could be a, there could be a thousand apps competing for that, but Apple's basically saying, no, 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 we like this app. And this is the only app that you're going to be using. So I think there's good grounds to start launching some kind of um, case against this. And, you know, maybe they'll back down. But, but the fact that we're not even, you know, we had those hearings. We had like two hearings and nothing, nothing came about. Like it was just like, oh, you know, we're here, here at Facebook, we're, we're, we're like investigating this. We, we take it seriously. Mm-hmm. But like no, nothing changed and nothing has happened. And again, going back to the... The original point of our conversation is that it's not going to prevent lying, like like just repressing right. information that we don't like doesn't doesn't actually um, crush lies. The only ways that you can crush lies are with intelligent discourse and refuting somebody. Even if you can't convert the liar, you can convert the people listening to the liar. And here are the two dangers with that. In order for a truth to be received. You need a individual and an individual who's able to hear the truth mm-hmm, yeah. and to discern the truth. And that's a whole nother problem. A lot of people are just lying to themselves out of convenience. This whole QAnon crap is just insane where it's, it just, I was explaining this the other day over dinner. I was saying, you know, in interstellar, how at the end he has all those cords and it's time. And I never right? saw that film. Oh, you've never seen interstellar. All right, no, well, no. First of all, you're lying to yourself if you think you can continue living without seeing that movie. All right. Okay. I'll okay. Try. So they represent time as like chords, basically coming down. They're infinite. They they're going for infinite time, right? I really think that people who fall into these kinds of lies are only able to organize aspects of life into small 
small like little cords of truth and that mm. everything else is just kind of abandoned so that their tiny cord of truth is everything holding themselves up right it's it's the foundation to their entire house they're like well i got to focus on the foundation i can't focus on the yard right now so we need to expand that and the only way to do that is to have multiple voices able to be reached yes and i only way for better or for worse and i think this is a largely ego problem i think this is a problem of the ego because what we do is we come up with theories to explain things and then our ego gets attached to that theory right like our our ego our self our identity our worldview everything gets attached to the one theory you know again like take a theory like capitalism or a theory like marxism and so forth I become completely enmeshed with that theory, um, capitalism, or I'm now a part of Marxism. That's a part of my identity. And that's the danger right there is, and and I like the way that you just described it as a cord of truth. And like, there is a cord of truth in Marxism and there's a cord of truth in capitalism. There's a cords of truth in all of these different systems. The danger is just clinging. And again, this is a Buddhist idea. If you cling too tightly to a rope that's passing through your hand, your hand is going to get burned, my friend. You got to let go. Mm, yeah. Uh, that, man, that's a great, great analogy for it. But, you know, I ask, like, where's where's my president, Joe Biden? Like, where is he right now in defending this? Mm-hmm. So I ask, why isn't he standing up to this abuse of the First Amendment, in my opinion? It's because his side is winning right now. And I, I think, I, and in fairness, I think the Republicans would Maybe. act the same way. Like if their side was winning, they would be like, all right, this is a great move on the checkerboard. This is a great move on the chessboard for us right now. And again, it, it's short-sighted thinking of like, hey, this is a score for us. But again, I, I would caution all of these people to be like, it may not be like that tomorrow. It may not be like that. Think, think about that. And the other thing that I always say, and this is something that I've kind of come to when discussing Rome, is this idea that there's a lot of power in mercy. There's so much power in mercy than there is. And and, and this kind of goes to this uh, idea of Aristotelian ideas of justice, where if someone has done something wrong, they need to be punished for it. There's no question. They must be punished for it. But if you go extra, if you go extra in your punishment, if you punish beyond what's suitable, then that in itself is an injustice. So I think that, that, that they are kind of going too far away from Aristotelian justice in the sense of punish, definitely, absolutely punish those responsible, but mm. don't, don't do that extra. That extra is what's gonna leave a bad taste in people's mouth. Yeah, I agree, I agree. And you know, I, I lean left. Like I consider myself a centrist, but I lean left. Mm-hmm. But on this issue, I just feel so conflicted um, because it's not solving the core, prob- core problem. I mean, we know that Amazon has the majority of servers for a federal government. So they're embedded in the logistics of it. So in a way, it's almost like a tentacle of government or the government is a tentacle of Amazon, who knows? But they're they're interwoven to a point where they're different, but not necessarily separated. And, you know, we have to look at that as maybe not the end all be all um, dropping of the guillotine, but uh, potentially looking as a step forward in the wrong direction. The last thing I want to talk about um, before we close out here is, you know, a lot of our solutions are on the large scale. 
I want to just talk about maybe things that us as weak humans can do. And I think one small thing, and this is something that I try and do is in my like um, uh, philosophical Facebook groups. When I see a lie, I simply just call it out now. I, I just simply, mm -hmm. or I see something that's not truthful. And I, I do it with tact. I do it with respect. I don't say you freaking moron, you know, like I do it with like, I, I'll see, you know, and I, I will be that condescending guy who will be like, well, actually, <laughs> and, and you know, like, like I, you know, and I know that sounds pretentious or whatever, but I actually think that I'm doing a public service and I'll give you, I'll be honest with you, nine out of 10 times, I don't change the mind of the original poster. That doesn't happen. But what I like is I like there to be a ledger or a, a right. like anyone else that's scrolling through that post on Facebook and sees that there's a ledger of like, well, this guy got me thinking, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, you know, this guy brings up a good point here. And that's, that's the kind of public service that each of us needs to be doing if we have, especially if we're confident in a certain domain of knowledge. So if you have a degree in biology, and someone's posting things that are just not compatible with the human body, start refuting it on Facebook, start adding to those comments and being like, actually, you know, I have a master's degree in biology, that's just not how that's not how proteins work. And then actually start going in there and start doing this. This is actually the kind of thing. And I think it actually makes you feel really good. People think that this is just a toxic waste of time. And they think that because you don't actually change the mind of the person posting, but you're creating that ledger. Even if no one's giving it comments, there are people that are reading your response and you are actively changing minds. And I, right. I, I, I think back to that article that I mentioned in, in, um, in the mechanics magazine, where it's like, you know how many minds, like my mind was changed. Like, you know, I was watching, you know, I remember getting Domino's pizza and watching Zeitgeist and being like, whoa, steel doesn't melt at that temperature. And then that magazine in, in, in Popular Mechanics or whatever, it like, it's, you know, it changed my life. I was like, wow, that's what a, a real PhD engineer thinks about this issue. We can all be that. We have incredibly smart people amongst us. We can all be those engineers going out there and refuting things that we know to be false. This is supposed to be the job of the media. It People is. forget that this is exactly why the fourth estate is so integral to our democracy. And we're seeing the corrosiveness of what's going on with that. So that's a sidebar. But to answer your question, I think the most important change that we can make is as a civilian class to come to some agreement in our education that we need a scientific method for common sense. Mm -hmm. There has to be some agreeable process, simple, right? And instill it in ourselves, just like we pledge allegiance to the flag. There needs to be, we can't expect the government agencies to put this into our education. We can't expect this to be put into our religious entities. We have to understand that there's another responsibility, which is the cohesion between all citizens, unrelated to those that broker it out for us, right? the municipality itself. What does that stand for? How do we stand for that? And that has to be that we demand full transparency, provable transparency and zero emotion. Because the reality is, is government doesn't want us to be educated this way. And to highlight my point before, the reason why is because we're more easily malle malleable in terms of what we believe and what we choose to believe in, i.e. the Iraq war. 
they knew that they had to tell a giant lie in order for us to feel like it's good for us to go in. When in reality, we were just trying to position ourselves for more oil in Iran. Um, so we have to educate ourselves, but no one else is going to do it but us. So we have to like calm down ourselves and know that that our emotions are a resource that um, certain entities are trying to tap. And, you know, that's that's a massive ordeal, right? I, I, love, I, love, I love the latter part of what you said that no one is going to do this but us, right? And, and I think that what's happening is we're, 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 we're like, like, and maybe this has happened and, and this is the analogy I'm going to send us off on. Imagine like you're having a sleepover at someone's house, right? A friend's house and you and your friend just get into like a huge fist fight and you're, it gets out of control. Like you throw something at each other and you're waiting for your, for mom to come in and just break that up and be like, Hey, like, you, you know, separate, you go to different rooms, right? Mom or dad is not coming to save us. They're, they're not coming to save right. us. They're not coming in there to be like, no, 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 no. Actually chemistry works this way. That's not happening. It has to be us that starts being like, Hey, I actually studied this. I actually know a thing or two. Let me start debunking these lies. That's the only way that we fix this problem. And we don't have all the answers, but I, I think that's, that's a good way to end off. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you again. This concludes the 106th episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.